Welcome to Never Again Is Now, a podcast about anti-Semitism. In this episode, we will discuss more of the contemporary anti-Semitism showcased in the recent Never Again episode of the popular CBS series, The Equalizer. I am Evelyn Marcus, and in addition to being a psychologist, I'm featured in the documentary about anti-Semitism, Never Again Is Now. I am a daughter of Holocaust survivors. In 2006, I emigrated to the United States because of the rising anti-Semitism in Europe. I am Phyllis Zimbler Miller, the founder of the free nonfiction Holocaust theater project, thinedgeofthewedge.com. I grew up in the Midwestern town of Elgin, Illinois. It was not a Holocaust community. Our parents and grandparents had come at the turn of the 20th century to escape the czar and other pogroms. And yet in September, 1970, my US Army officer husband and I were stationed in Munich, Germany, only 25 years after the end of World War II and the Holocaust, and this changed our lives forever. Writer Adam, Gla <clears throat> Writer Adam Glass is an executive producer and co-showrunner of the CBS series, The Equalizer and the writer of the show's Never Again episode that aired on March 2023. He also writes graphic novels for Marvel Comics and DC Comics. Adam, welcome to our show. We're happy to have you on. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Evelyn, and thank you, Phyllis. And Phyllis, you and I, our people came from the same shtetls, you know. Really? Yeah, yeah my family was from Belarus. Well, um... Latvia and Odessa. Yeah. I, I, you and know, yeah, and Tiraspol. You had a great grandmother who was from Odessa. And I did not know that till everything started with the war in Ukraine and my aunt, my aunt brought it. But, you know, it was all what the, they called it the Pale of Settlement, right? Exactly. The Pale of Settlement. Mm. Exactly. For those listeners who don't know, there was a time when the Jews were restricted to a very specific area of that changing borderland between Russia and Poland and everything else. Anyway. Let's get to modern times. As you know, we, as many of our listeners know, we recently spoke to Adam Goldberg about his role in this episode. But could you tell us, just for those people who haven't seen the episode, just a really quick outline of what actually you wrote, and then we'll get into it. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, the equalizer, it starts with an unfortunate, all common crime, you know, a group of masked men. They you know, sort of graffiti, some anti-Semitic rhetoric on a Jewish deli in Midwood, Brooklyn, which has a beautiful mural, which was inspired by anybody who knows Cantor's here in Los Angeles has those beautiful Jewish murals up. And an employee tries to stop them and they're hurt in the process. And the owner's daughter comes to our team for help. And it turns out Harry, who's played by Adam Goldberg, is from the Midwood neighborhood. And in the show, he's always identified with being Armenian, but what we reveal is that he's also half Jewish. That his mother's Jewish. And it's an episode that I think does a couple of things really well. It explores not only the hate that we as Jews deal with daily, but also Harry discovering something about his mother that he didn't know, which in the process also re reconnects him with his Jewish roots. Yeah, I, I love the uh, when he lights the yard site candle at the end of the episode. Okay, I'll try not to cry. Having yeah. just lit mm -hmm. yard site candles for my parents for a year for sure. But okay, so now that we have the framework, Tell us how that came to be. I mean, it's so unusual for a TV series to deal with a fiction. They deal with lots of fictional news, uh, you know, 
news, but to deal with anti-Semitism is very unusual. Well, we had, you know, we deal with a lot of subjects, you know, we, we, we have a really great, you know, sort of premise and show that allows us to sort of dive into some of the social things that are happening, especially in our country and being in New York City and all that stuff. So, you know, we've dealt with a lot of different subjects. We've dealt with, you know, um, you know, drugs, we've dealt with, you know, um, um, a lot of um, women, you know, abuse issues and we've dealt you know we you know we've tackled a lot of things migrants and all that stuff so as we know unfortunately there's so much anti you know semitic hate happening in the world and you know we're seeing it in the news constantly so you know being jewish this was a subject that was important to me and i um was really surprised also in new york i grew up in new york grew up in the bronx in a place called pelham parkway in co-op city and I was shocked that it was happening in New York City. It's always been such a home for, for us Jews and it was such a surprise. And also I read a lot of, you know, Barry Weiss and uh, David, you know, what is it, Badil and mm-hmm. uh, someone else who also, by the way, I think doesn't ever get enough credit for all of the great writing he does up against anti-Semitism, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And I realized like them as a writer, I felt like I had a platform which I could use to fight this. So I started discussing this with another writer on our show, or Yashar, and her family came to America from Iran in 1979. So this, I love the idea of or being a woman and also having sort of a different Jewish experience. And we decided to sort of come together and write this episode together. And the network didn't say, oh, no, you can't tackle that subject. No, you know, it's really interesting. You know, they were very supportive. Both NBC and CBS was very supportive. Um, and, you know, my, <laughs> I always joke, you know, I've been doing this for over 30 years. And I'm like, you know, when everybody's like, the business is just all Jews. I'm like, my manager's not a Jew. My lawyer's not a Jew. <laughs> like My accountant's not a Jew. Like most of my executives aren't Jewish. So this wasn't like something where you told it and all everybody on the phone, you know, on the Zoom calls were going, yeah, we have to tell the story. Actually, everyone's like, yes, we have to tell the story because it's important. But it, I think Or and I were the only Jews on the phone when we were having these conversations. So, you know, again, trying to get away from, I think, some of the things that we we say about Hollywood that might not necessarily be true anymore, especially. So yeah, no, they were incredibly supportive, all that stuff. And, you know, we we tackled it in a way that I think also was a unified way for everyone to sort of tap into the story in a way that they can understand. And, you know, I even remember, you know, talking to everybody, you know, about it. And, you know, we had such support. Joe Wilson, who is my co-showrunner, was like, we have to tell this story. You know, it was he's like, he's, he's, you know, one of the greatest things he said was how much he learned from this episode about Jews and Judaism and not understanding, you know, the whole experience, which was our hope for it. And, you know, Queen Latifah was so supportive and, you know, Lorraine Toussaint was so important, you know, and Adam Goldberg was so supportive. Everybody in the whole cast was like, yeah, this is, this is happening right now. We're seeing in the news every day. We have to, we have to get on this. It's, it's so great to hear Adam, um, how you, uh, used your professional platform, um, to speak up against anti-Semitism. You know, our show is all about, people speaking and make, you know, encouraging people to speak up against anti-Semitism in whatever way they can. And you used your professional platform and, and thankfully had the support of your team and your, 
your network um, to do so. Um, so you reached a lot of people with this episode, um, and um, th th that's a big thing. We we're very grateful to you and your and your team and your network for for doing this. Um, and, and really yeah. quick, it's something that you know, Evelyn, that I've done all my career. It just also, what's the size of the platform? You know, I remember I wrote uh, a graphic novel called Brick. And it was about a boy growing up in a Jewish neighborhood in Yonkers. And, you know, just like this story, and we can get into it, I can't help but put my own experience into these stories and sort of how I grew up. You know, I like to say I the old world dies with me, you know, in my generation. You know, we still, you know, I'm 54. You know, we still all had family members from the old world. We knew Holocaust survivors. Yiddish was spoken in our home. And even though religiously, I like to say I'm a young Kipper Jew, I'm certainly Jewish, uh, and I'll use the initials AF. And you, if you don't know what that means, no. uh, I don't want to say it because it's a curse word. I'm Jewish. Let's okay. just say I'm Jewish as hell. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I wrote this story I'll never forget called Brick. And it was about a boy who didn't have a dad, but was very close to his Jewish Holocaust surviving grandfather. And when he dies, he left the boy the secrets of how to make a golem. And he makes one and it's, it's, it's the story is so close and personal to me. And I remember it came out and no one read it. And I was so heartbroken. I was like, I tried to get Jewish groups to support it. And I tried to like get Jewish newspapers to write about it. And nobody wrote about it. I was like, oh my God, I'm writing a story for our people. And I feel like I've always tried to sort of like do little things throughout my career. If I think back to it, you know, even if it's little hints, if a character, I did a show called Supernatural that was really popular and we buried one of the 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 people in the show who passed away who we wouldn't have thought of was Jewish, but I kept sure there was a Star of David on his on his tombstone. You know, like so I've always been trying to do this. And I think to your point, uh, it, it also depends on the platform you are. And I was very fortunate that a show that before this episode was so popular and so big and was already dealing with so many of these social issues that it really was able to sort of all come together and, and come out and do this. So I'm as thankful, I mean, as much as I've been trying to do it, to your point, really thank you for the network and the show and all the support we had from everybody for it. That's great. That's great. So you said what inspired you most was what you saw around you in the New York area, which has always been safe for the Jews uh, as long as you live. And now certainly turns into a less safe place for Jews. Um, is there also something in your personal backgrounds, your family background, maybe that um, played a role in 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 wanting to make this episode? Yeah, as I said earlier, you know, I was raised by my bubby and my mom. I didn't have a dad, and I like to say I was raised also by Hannah and her sisters. I had, you know bunch of crazy Jewish aunts, you know, but that's sort of like, as my wife likes to say, I came well-trained to our 24 year marriage. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, I grew up in a neighborhood that was changing tremendously. Uh, you know, I think the migration that happened for a lot of Jews, the working class Jews, the blue collar Jews, you know, my family was in the Shmata business. And, you know, when I say they were in the Shmata business, you know, again, sort of let's take away some stereotypes. We were not rich Jews. We were we were pretty poor Jews, you know, and my my grandmother, you know, hem stuff and, you know, did those things. And my grandfather made curtains and, you know, they they cut out a living. But I think what happened in the 70s and 80s is this great migration started to happen and people started to move out of the inner cities into Long Island, Queens. We did not. <laughs> so 
you know, I grew up in a much more diverse world than my family did. I went to school, you know, in the Bronx and, you know, by the time I was growing up, I was the minority, you know, especially of Jews. And, you know, I was, and a lot of what you see in the show, you know, with Harry is, is a lot of my experience, you know, uh, my Bubby would say to me stuff like, you know, you're white until they know you're Jewish and hide your star of David. And, and I like Harry, I believe this wouldn't be my experience. I really felt like those were just her fears being pushed onto me. I was a hip hop kid. You know, I believed in the old Bob Marley saying of one love. I mean, in my heart, I still believe that. But, you know, as like most people, I think you everyone thinks their generation is going to change the world and you get older and realize you moved at the same inch as the generation before you. And that some of the things you're being told actually are true and there are reasons they're true. So this is my chance to add to that conversation. And I have Jewish kids. And now I'm saying the same things to my kids that my Bubby said to me. And that both bothers me. You know, like my daughter, you know, especially super proud of her Jewish heritage, where's her star David everywhere. And there were nights she's going out in the city and I'm living in New York because I'm shooting the show and I'm going, uh, maybe, you know, like I didn't say it, but in my mind, I'm like, maybe you should tuck that away. I don't want you to have the problems. Now I wear my star David proudly, but I'm also a big guy, you know, like <laughs> people aren't going to, you know, walk up and they're going to think twice, you know, but you know, it worries me. It scares me that these same issues, you know, that we have historically had forever are still so prevalent, you know, in our society. So, you know, the, again, I think a lot of it comes, this is a, a love letter to my, both my, the you know, the future and the past, you know, really like I feel, I tell my kids all this time, so blessed that my family came here, that came mm -hmm. to America and gave us this opportunity. Like, what would my life have been? You know, I mean, I, I just, I can't believe it. And also, like I said earlier, seeing the end of that old world, you know, and sort of the the ends of it. Like, I mean, it's little stuff, but like out here in LA, you go to a deli and you can't get Kasha Vanishes anymore. You can't get like, you know, just you're starting to see things die off and you're starting to see them disappear and become even more gentrified. And you start to, all those things you understand, like, again, like all these things that were being told to me as a kid, I am now starting to see very clearly as I've grown older and I'm watching my children grow up. So it's a long way of saying all those things, Evelyn, inspired me to get part of this conversation, throw my hat in the ring and not be complacent and not sit back and not, I had, to, I have to say something, I have to do something. Right. Um, Adam, um, there there are various types of anti-Semitism um, in the world, also in the United States um, these days. Um, you know, it can come from the right, it can come from the left, it can, can come from another religion. Um, what you 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 chose the the neo-Nazi type of anti-semit of contemporary anti-semitism to you know as for the plot of the show uh of the episode yeah. um what made you choose that type of anti-semitism well you know you you said it earlier Evan, evelyn you know it's like israel's such a hot topic right and i so support you know a jewish state but i didn't i don't think in an hour we could tackle, you know, all the political issues and the relationships and all that stuff. And, you know, this, I always say this, you know, Jews were not a monolith, you know, the Jewish people. And, really you know, yeah, it's really important. And also the idea that, you know, 
we're tied to the politics of a country, you know, um, fair or not, you know, I, I say, you, what other group of people have to do this or live or serve, you know, do people walk up to, you know, Australians if their country does something bad and say to them, you know, like, and again, America has things I don't necessarily agree with politically, but I still am proud to be an American. So Israel's such a hot topic. And I just didn't feel like we could sort of deal with that. And I, I thought it also opened cans of worms that got away from sort of typical anti-Semitism and started to become other issues that people want to put on it, colonialism and da, 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 and all that stuff. So I was like, can't be about Israel, right? Um, but, and then, you know, I think you just hit on this, you know, we have other religious, you know, groups and other culturally inter, you know, relation, racial relationships that are also hot buttons, but these are also reflected in history and time periods. And I believe hate groups want to divide and conquer marginalized groups. I think we have more in common with our our black and Spanish and Asian brothers and sisters than we don't. Like it's all about food, it's all about family, it's about fighting hate. And, and this is all something I think that's woven into the fabric of all our culture. So again, really big subject to not be able to tackle on our TV. But like I think Charlottesville taught us is, and when you saw that was there's a new face of hate and it's not the skinheads with the swastikers anymore. It's the person working at Walmart. It's the teacher in New Jersey. And that it's becoming so accepted and normalized that people don't feel like they have to hide it anymore. That scares the crap out of me. So that was the subject and what I wanted to tackle. See, and also as you place it in a broader frame of hate, um, it also becomes more relevant to, you know, to more people than only Jewish audiences, I guess. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I mean, yeah. say it in there, you know, Dante says hates everyone's problem because yeah. it is, it's like, you know, like, you know, <laughs> if we learned anything from the past, it's, you know, they'll come for us and then they're going to come for you, exactly. <laughs> you know? And it's like, so we got to help each other. And it really, again, sort of drives me a little nuts that, We've become so divided in this nation for many reasons, mostly politics and religion and all those things. But it's like, again, like we have so much in common. We have such a rich history together. If you look at sort of us and other marginalized groups in this country, I think, you know, Jews can relate to everybody. You know, we 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 relate to everything. We know what it is to be gay and be in the closet. We know what it is, you know, to not be able to be in a, you know, except in the country clubs. We know what it is to like... You just go on and on and on. And I think because, you know, as a group, we've been pretty successful, you know, in so many things that are, you know, looked upon in our society as like, you know, money and and Hollywood and all this stuff. It, we're always looked at as like, oh, why are you guys crying? Why are you upset? It's, you know, it's all worked out so well for you. But again, like, you know, I, we grew up on, I grew up on welfare, you know, like I was like, I like to tell people all the time, I, I'll never forget someone from high school I saw at my high school reunion and they said, well, of course you made it in Hollywood. You're Jewish. And I said, I didn't know anybody. They're like, oh, come on. You didn't know anyone. I'm like, no, no, I didn't know a soul. And also, you know, this gets into sort of like, I like to say our own mishmagash, right? We as a people, we can't, you know, there's a joke in there. I put, he says, we can't even agree on lunch. You know, it's like, it's true. You know, I mean, I felt when I got into Hollywood, you know, and this is my own, you know, stuff I carry. I most of the kids I met my age in the profession or the business or someone even a few years older than me. The first thing they'd say to me is, what camp did you go to? And I didn't go to camp. We didn't have money to send me to a Jewish camp. You know, like that just wasn't the thing. What college did you go to? 
I went to Brooklyn College. I'm a city university kid. So there was this instant disconnect. And I felt like for a lot of, especially the men, I reminded them more of their grandfather's generation. I was the pull yourself up by your bootstraps guy. And that made them feel weird or guilty or something like that. So like, I, it's so funny. I always joke, like, it was like, I got here and, 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 and thought I would find that Jewish community here. And I didn't really. So this day, most of my Jewish friends are the kids I grew up with, you know, and yes, you meet people along the way and your kids get bar mitzvah and they go to Hebrew school and you meet some people, but not really like a ton of Hollywood Jewish friends. So you had to, you had to accomplish this all yourself. My question is about that. Was there something in your Jewish background, a bringing culturally that helped you in achieving your success? I Listen, I always say, you know, my great grandfather came here and sold fish on the Lower East Side. I'm just selling a different fish. You know? <laughs> okay. You must be a writer. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm <laughs> laughing. We, we, we all hustle. You know what I'm saying? I think it's, I think that's part. And it's also, you know, it's that work ethic. You know, I was always told, you know, by my bubby, you know, if you work hard, you know, you know, and, and, and there is that belief in the American dream, you know, like, you know, she would say to me, it was so funny because she, she was born here, but her mother carried her over. Her mother was pregnant with her when she came over and she had two older sisters and my grandmother, as much as she was raised in America, she, because they only spoke Yiddish in the house and everybody had just gotten here, she felt more like a European person. Cause she would say things to me all the time, like, oh, you're so American or you're, you know, and I, which is, again, like that really interesting thing, because they came here wanting us to have a better life. And then when we assimilated, they like there was a part of them that, you know, and, and the other thing which I think about all the time, my grandfather was uh, five, five, and his name was Sonny Simon. His real name was Irving Simonovitz, and he was a boxer. And uh, and I'm five, ten and a half. And my son is six, two. It just goes to show you nutrition. Like, you know, yes, obviously, Jeanette, I'm mixing, you know, genes and stuff like that. But like to go from that to that seven inches and in like what, you know, three, four generations, that's that's huge. But my, that's the other thing my bubby would say. You're so healthy. You're so this and so that. Uh, uh, last bubby story really quick. Not truly. I'll probably tell five more. But here's a little tiny thing again, like, and I'm sorry, because you just got my floods of my memories coming. So when my daughter was born. She, her name's Josephine. She's named after my grandfather, Yusef Joseph. And she, my bubby was still alive and she came to visit us and she kept telling my wife, you, you love the baby too much. And my wife, uh, after she died, says to her sister, uh, my, my aunt, why does she keep saying that? And she said, because back then, especially in Russia, you, 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 the odds were your child might die. So I knew that, it, was, it was as soon as you started that story, what punchline. If, yeah. Uh, it was like, wow. Like, again, it didn't take that. And then that's only a generation or two, you know, that they had to think that way. It was like, love the baby only so much because you don't want to get too attached. Mm -hmm. Baby might die. And she still held that. Like, I, you know, my wife jokes at me all the time. She goes, the Kozaks aren't coming. I said, the Kozaks are always coming. Like, yes, you, just, they, <laughs> you just never know. Exactly. Hope for and, the best, plan for the worst. And that's what this <laughs> show is trying to say. Let's not wait till they're at the door. Let's do something. Let's speak up, which is why we're so grateful for you. And to kind of, you know, we can speak forever talking to you, but I think we should get on to a couple of, I just want to know what, you, 
what your hope was the most important thing that the viewers of the show would come away with, like the one thing you hope they would learn. Interesting. Um, that's a really interesting thing. I mean, obviously there's a lot of things like, it sounds crazy, but like, even I remember, and Aura was the one who found some of the statistics. And when we put it in. Oh, I like that. When you put the statistics into the episode, go ahead. Yeah. But when they went in, I remember even our executives going, that can't be right. Like they thought we messed up the numbers. They thought it was too high. And we had to like, we literally had to show them the numbers that this of was- anti-Semitic incidents, right? Just to clarify yeah. for our listeners. Yes. And I forget what the number was, but it was like 146% had gone up some crazy number. So, you know, uh, it's the little things too, like saying like Taylor Swift has more social media than there are Jews in the world. Yeah. That was a line everyone in the episode. And it was like, you know, it hits you right here. Because again, we live in a place where, you know, you can go online and there people do this. I remember being at a, uh, a family, uh, a friend family event and they asked me to work the camera and it was a very nice group of people it was up in Oregon and they were all born again Christians and I and they knew I was Jewish so of course they they would just always had to comment on it so I just started to have fun with the camera and I started to ask how many Jews are in the world and they and they would literally be like just just to preference there's about seven eight billion people in the world and they'd be like well at least half the world's Jewish they you know people would believe four billion people a billion people like you know you can go online and see all these things that when you tell people there are only 14 and a half to 15 million Jews in the world, they don't believe you. They they literally think you're lying. And then again, it's it's it, it's amazing that this small group of people both have accomplished so much and are being blamed for so much. And that's what you wanted to to get across. Yes. Um what was the reaction of the cast and what was the reaction of the fans uh, to this episode of the cast when they read it and of the, of the fans when they saw the episode, watched it? Well, I'll, I'll even throw in another thing. So the cast, again, really supportive, really amazing. So many people in the cast learned a lot, had no idea, you know, like they were very supportive, but they also would come and say, I had no idea, like, or, or thank you. You know, uh, which was great. What the most touching thing that happened was while shooting the episode um, and people like I try to know everybody on the crew, you know, and it's a big crew. I, I, I'm guessing we have close to 200 people on a crew and we're shooting. There's a lot of people. How many people walked up to me? Some that I didn't even know were Jewish and just said, thank you for doing this. Yeah. You know, that was probably the most powerful to me. That's great. Yeah. And how many people did this? Never showed it, and then would put their star really show it to me. And showed it showed their their star of David to you. Yes. Wow. That and you know wanted to show it to me. Um, again, I can go off of it. Like, I'm sorry, as I bring it up, I can go off in a million different directions. But I still remember. I've always worn my star of David proudly, and I was actually uh, putting down my garbage cans. I live in the Hollywood Hills, and I remember my neighbor, who's Jewish, who's who's a film and TV guy saying to me, aren't you scared of wearing that out? And I said, you know, I said, I can't, I'm never going to hide who I am. I just can't. And he's like, no, I get it. I get it. Now, I will also say uh, he looks like if you looked up a Jewish person in the in, in the dictionary, there'd be a photo of my neighbor <laughs> where I pass, I pass, you know, um, you know, people, if I didn't tell people, most people 
don't think I'm Jewish. So they get to know me, then like, you're so Jewish, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but, but I think, I, I think, but so then you get into the, the, and so I'm jumping all over the place. The fans, I think, I, you know, there was so many beautiful articles written about it. There was so much, I mean, I remember going on Twitter when it was happening and so many people responding positively. It really had an amazing impact. Adam and I both were asked to go do a panel at NBC Universal, which we did, which was absolutely amazing. Like, yes, yeah. like the feedback was really, really great. And again, you just hope that, you know, you can reach, you know, as many people as possible. But as the old saying goes, if you just even reach one, isn't it worth it? Yeah, we agree with that. Um, so th that's great to hear that the, the reactions were really positive. People learned something. We're happy to learn about the phenomenon of anti-Semitism, better understand it. Th that's all all great to hear. Um, so for our listeners today, um, how, do you have I, uh, suggestions for them how they could encourage their favorite scripted TV show um, to feature confronting anti-Semitism? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we live in such a social media world. So, you know, people are constantly reading and seeing what's online. So, you know, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, you know, if it's something that's important to you, you know, you go out there and you should sort of let people know on your favorite show that it's something, you know, you want to do. And listen, for us, it really helped, you know, when we figured out the Adam Goldberg thing that, you know, because the first thing that came up in the room was even though Adam himself is Jewish, the character's Armenian, which again, you know, we added that joke yes. um, that, you know, two people, you know, coming from two cultures that both had Holocaust, you know, but I remember sitting with Adam and I'll never forget, we were outside, me, him and, and Lisa uh, Lapiza and we were uh, talking out on the street and I said, well, what if your mom was Jewish? We never, and your dad was, and he's like, oh, like, and for him, that sort of helped him a lot, like sort of connect to it. And it was like, and then the minute I said that, I was like, oh, what if he doesn't have a relationship with his mother? He didn't grow up with his mother. Like it started to sort of this, do this ripple effect for me. And then what if the episode becomes about while he's learning about, Jew he's learning about his mother. And then that sort of brings him back into the community and like, and you start to sort of see the story anytime you can find a real human connection, especially with your main cast to a storyline, it's going to make it better. So to your point, some stories, some shows might not have that entry point, you know, uh, that makes it as natural. Doesn't mean you can't do it, but, you know, it's it's one of those storylines that for us really worked well. Nice. OK, so um, let your uh, on social media, let the show know that you would be interested in that as a fan of the show, uh, that you would be interested in adding, an, you know, the aspect of anti-Semitism uh, to the storyline, right? Yes. Okay. And now we've come almost to the end of the show where we give our guests a chance for uh, last thoughts. And I know Adam has lots and lots, but he's going <laughs> to have to choose which ones he wants to share. I know. I'm trying to think. I it's so funny when I was talking to you earlier. I totally forgot to. You know, we were saying where I can pass. I I had the uh, last story, and then I'll think about what I want to say. Is uh, uh, when I was a kid, I worked the Catskill Mountains. I saw the end of that too. You know, and I literally worked right up to I went to college in '86, and that's when they all closed. So I spent four years, five years working at Grossinger's, and then also at the Stevensville Hotel in Swan Lake, New York. And I, because I had blonde hair, blue eyes, I would be the Shabbos Goy. 
they would have me go in and shut up all the lights and do all that stuff because <laughs> they had no one else there. They're like, Adam passes. <laughs> They're like, come on, come on. They'd call me like Adam McGlass and they would have me, you know, go around and do all that stuff. <laughs> so, um, but I think final thoughts are, you know, it, and it goes back to something I said earlier, which I think is really mostly um, if you have a platform, and, and and we all have a platform. We can all go on social media tomorrow. We can all turn around and talk to friends and family. We as Jews, and I have no problem with the word Jews, but some people I know do. We as a Jewish people, um, we have to stand up for ourselves. We have to fight for ourselves. We have to turn around and not be quiet and not sit back. And like the title of your show and the title you know, thing, I take never again very seriously. Uh, and you know, for my future, for my, not just my people, but my family, my familial line, I think we have to constantly fight back. And, um, you know, like we said, we're a big divided group of people. And I hope at the end of the day, everyone realizes that, you know, as we said, and I'm, you know, don't want to live with, uh, constant sort of fear, but, you know, you see what's happening, you see what's boiling up, you see what's happening also internationally. It's scary. I, it's like, I feel like we learned nothing, you know, from the Holocaust and here we are, and we're looking at a lot of the same issues. And if you don't see that as a Jewish person, no matter where you stand politically, no matter how you feel about Israel, no matter anything like that, we have, we have to stand up and we have to fight for ourselves. Cause I don't know if anyone else is going to. Adam, those are such important last words or last thoughts. And thank you so much for sharing with us your beliefs and your enthusiasm and your call to action for all of us to speak up and use our platforms the way that you did. We thank our listeners for listening and we hope they'll share this uh, interview with a lot of other people that we can get more people to speak up. If you haven't yet watched Evelyn's documentary, Never Again Is Now, you can see it on Amazon and YouTube. You can learn more about my nonfiction Holocaust play at thinedgeofthewedge.com. And as we end every show, we say, please, without putting yourself in physical harm, whenever you can, speak up against anti-Semitism and all hate.